Genre. weekly podcast where we review, discuss, and recap every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Scott Corelli. And today on the show, we'll be discussing Storm Warning, the eighth Doctor's, played by Paul McGann's second story, and our first dip into the Big Finish audio adventures pool. Yeah, and it is it is his second story produced there i i i did skip some questionably questionable continuity stories and i skipped his mary shelley stories because there's a whole trilogy of stories where mary shelley is his companion wait Uh, i'm i'm sorry you 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 skipped those (laughs) yeah yeah well hold on i'm getting i'm getting to why i skipped okay okay, yeah yeah so so he one, the first one was uh, Shada. That's technically, I think, the first thing that he did. Oh yeah, yeah, he did. He did Shada, um, where they sort of remade Shada as an audio adventure, um, and produced it with Paul McGann. But its place in continuity is questionable because I did it really happen to him, or did it happen to the Fourth Doctor, or did it happen at all? I don't really know, and I didn't really want to question it or deal with it, so I just kind of skipped it. Um, and then, and Shada, uh, Nick, I, I don't know. Do you know what Shada is? Uh, is that is that one of the ones that was written by Douglas Adams? Yeah, it's the lost Douglas Adams story. Yeah, okay, then I'm I'm familiar with it through my knowledge of Douglas Adams. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so I skipped that one, and then, and and part of that was because I was just excited to get to to Charlie to like a. Uh, meaty companion, one that's around for a while. Sure, sure. Um, and I don't think Shada even has a companion, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's, even though uh, Ramana too. Oh, is that in 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 the right? But I mean, in the Paul McGann version. Oh, um, I don't remember because I what? know she does work for Big Finish now, but I don't know if she did at the time. Yeah, I think that they wrote any companion out of the story, if when, I'm not mistaken. When was the Paul McGann Shada produced? Early 2000s. Okay, early... Right around, right around this time. Okay. Yeah, right around the time of Storm Warning. Um, so I skipped that one because I don't know where it fits in continuity or if it fits in continuity um, or what have you. So I just I went ahead and skipped Kind of like it. the Bourne Legacy. A little bit, yeah, and then, <laughs> um, and then the Mary Shelley trilogy, I skip because I've listened to it all, and I don't think it's that great, Aww, and I don't really? think that they, 
Yeah, and I don't think they do anything that interesting with Mary Shelley. Like, I don't think – meaning, like, I don't think that she's that interesting of a character. Not as interesting as you would want her to be. Sure, because she's Mary uh, freaking Shelley. Right, right. And basically what they do is it's a trilogy of stories, and each story inspires her – inspires a portion oh, of Frankenstein. It's one of those. Yeah, and so she's just like, this gives me an idea. And then in the next one, she's like, hmm, more ideas percolating. Oh, they Marvin, and then at the they, end, she's like, maybe I'll write a novel. Oh, they Marvin um, Barrier. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. That's- and and so I, I just don't – I'm not crazy about the idea. Like I would much rather – because, like, you know, Mary Shelley famously only wrote the one book. Right. And so it makes way more sense to me – that the doctor, the reason she never wrote another book was because she was traveling with the doctor. Oh, Not yeah, the other way around. Yeah. yeah, I don't like the other way around. Because then it, it takes all the power out of her. Because then it's like, oh, you wouldn't have written Frankenstein if it wasn't for the doctor. Right. Yeah. Well, so she I don't, was so young when she wrote Frankenstein. Like, Yeah. Uh, right. <sighs> God, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't think we've ever talked about this, but I'm just, I'm in love with uh with her <laughs> no I, I i i i i love frankenstein and i love her story and i'm obsessed with like her history so uh yeah i would i would i would uh are those like available like on just yeah okay cool i'll probably i might give them a listen just out of curiosity sure sure i mean they're they're fine i just didn't think that they would have given us a lot to talk about i think there's a movie coming out where someone like is like plays mary shelley Oh, interesting. I'll have to look this up. Okay. Um, so I chose to start with Storm Warning, the first uh, eighth Doctor story in Big Finish's monthly range, um, monthly story range. And uh, it introduces his first, uh, his first companion, essentially, because, you know, um, his companions in uh, in the TV movie don't really count because they didn't stick around, and uh, I'm ignoring Mary Shelley and pretending that didn't happen. And uh, and so we're we're brought to Charlie, and uh, Charlie Pollard is his first companion and is his companion for the entirety of his time during the monthly Doctor Who range, um, because eventually his stories got so popular that he evolved out of the monthly range and started uh, having his own seasons uh, dedicated to him Uh, and his next companion, which we'll talk about uh, a long time from now. (laughs) But (laughs) so before we move on, just just so we can put the, you know, close the book, if you will, on, on Mary Shelley. When I, um, when I mentioned a few minutes ago that um, I I heard through the grapevine that there's going to be um, some Mary Shelley, a Mary Shelley movie, there's actually two in development. Um, one of which is called A Storm in the Stars, in which uh, Mary Shelley will be played by Elle Fanning. Hmm. And uh, it will be it'll focus on uh, her uh, her first love and uh, or like it'll it'll focus on like kind of like the the scene that she was hanging around with, you know, because she very famously was like kind of involved with like Lord Byron and whatnot. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it sounds like kind of like you're kind of like kind of like that Anne Hathaway movie, like Becoming Jane. Uh huh. But then. There's a movie called Mary Shelley's Monster um, that's uh, from the producer of that uh, Daniel Radcliffe movie, Kill Your Darlings. 
And in that movie, uh, um, Mary Shelley will, will be played by Sophie Turner. Ooh. And um, it will be a gothic romance love triangle that involves a dark passenger. And the producer says, we are tremendously excited about this project. It'll be um, a more contemporary take about her being plagued by the success of her book, Dr. Frankenstein. That sounds that really sounds good. Awesome. Yeah. I'm into that a lot. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's how we get to storm warning. And, um, I, I, I mean, you know, these big finish, uh, audios aren't going to have a lot of, you know, behind the scenes, uh, material to talk about. Um, but I do have a couple of things. So like one, Alan Barnes, the writer, uh, he was a writer for comic or for, for, for uh, doctor who magazine. He wrote the, the eighth doctor comic strip. And so they allowed him to write, uh, the first audio adventure with the eighth doctor, which I think is a pretty cool move on their part. Yeah. Um, so Alan Barnes wrote it and, uh, the music, the the um the theme song, the the doc, the new arrangement for the Doctor Who theme. This was the first original theme that Big Finish Audio did. Uh, before this, they were just sort of reusing the Fourth Doctor's theme, um, and just using this. And so they they actually got, <laughs> yeah. so they got, <laughs> got. Uh, they got this one, uh, to be done and it was done by composer David Arnold. Oh, hey. Yeah. Who has done, uh, the scores for Stargate, Independence Day, Hot Fuzz, Paul, and Sherlock. I actually really love his score for Paul. It's actually one of my favorite parts of that movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a great score. Um, the Fought Fuzz score is great, and I mean, Sherlock, yeah. whether or not you like the show, that music is pretty iconic. You yeah. hear like three notes from it, and you're like, oh, I know what that's from. Right. Um, which is pretty impressive. That It's impressive when any composer does that once in their career. Yeah. Um, and especially so for TV, no less. Yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah. Well, well, well I'm, kind of, I'm kind of curious, because this is the first Big Finish audio thing, and um, so this was this was recorded in like 2001, I think, I believe. It was released in January of 2001. Okay. So why did it take so long? I mean, I mean, uh, you know, Great Britain has such a still to this day as as a really healthy um, audio drama industry. Uh, so I guess I'm like, wh- why did it take so long for Doctor Who to find a home in audio adventures? It only took four years. Oh, so, so there was stuff before Big Finish. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, 19, this is the 16th release from Big Finish. This is just the first one with the eighth doctor. Oh, okay. So wh- who was the doctor in the very first Big Finish? Uh, uh, I Peter Davison? Yeah, I think it was Peter Davison. Yeah, it was yeah. Peter Davison. Yeah, I think it was Peter Davison. And then because they would alternate originally. Right. So it was like yeah. it was like Peter Davison and then Colin Baker and then Sylvester McCoy and then Peter Davison and then oh, okay. and it would just alternate like that. Kind of yeah. like what we're doing. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it only took them four years from the television movie uh, to recording with Paul McGann. So, oh, okay. Yeah. 
Um, so it was pretty, it was pretty, I mean, it was pretty right away. You know, it was, uh, it was five years between when it aired and when this aired, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, that's, I mean, you're talking about a failed TV show. You have to wait for all of those rights to like, you know, come back to, um, mm-hmm. BBC and everything. Cause it was an American Fox like co-production and, right. You got to wait for all of that to come back and and they have to make sure that they have the rights to this version of the character. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's some complicated stuff that they had to deal with. And I'm honestly, I'm impressed that they got it done so quickly Mm -hmm. because it's really fast. I mean, it seems like an eternity, like, oh, 1996. And it it was like until 2000. And it's like, well, that's actually, that is only four years. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even mean. Um, I wasn't even starting from the movie. I was starting from like uh, an uh, an earthly child. Oh, um, I guess I'm just surprised that there wasn't like they didn't capitalize on it like sooner. Yeah, because like in the 70s you had like the Goon Show and, and right all of this. Well, thing. I guess I guess the thing with that is like the uh, they probably knew that they couldn't sell it. Uh, without the current doctor and the current doctor was like, I'm making a show and it's really hard and I don't <laughs> more lines to learn. No, right. I don't want to do this too. Um, that's sure. what I imagine. Uh, and then when it was dead, everybody probably just assumed it was dead because right. big finish, big finish brought it back, but big finish is a separate company. Right. Like, from, from the BBC. Right. They have nothing to do with the BBC. Sometimes they produce things in tandem with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, they're mostly an independent company. They just bought the Doctor Who license. Are they also based in England, Big Finish? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nick, uh, started by Nicholas Briggs, who is the voice of the Daleks in Modern Who. Oh, oh fun. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan. Yeah, of he, writes, he writes a bunch of them too, as we'll, as you'll see as we go along. Not uh, episodes, not he doesn't write a bunch of Daleks dialogues. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he does that too. <laughs> yeah, just in his spare time. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so you know, just a four year turnaround, not too bad. And yeah, and then they were rolling on with new eighth doctor stories, which is uh really cool. And the best part about this is you know, for 15 years or something like that, 15, like 12, 12 mm-hmm. years. Uh, these big finish audio stories were not, uh, in continuity. Um, they were just, it was like, oh yeah, big finish does these little fan production things, like whatever. Sure. Um, they're licensed, but, and they have the actors, but they're not in continuity. And then, uh, Stephen Moffat did that amazing thing where he did night of the doctor and showed Paul McGann's regeneration and Paul McGann shouts out, to all of his companions from his audio adventures, mm-hmm. therein sealing all of these audio adventures into actual continuity. Boom. Which is probably the best thing Moffat did as showrunner. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, like that's kind of amazing. No, like, yeah, totally. not only did he add a lot of things, whether you like them or not, not only did he add a lot of things as showrunner, as just like the guy writing the show, mm-hmm. um, to you know Doctor Who as a franchise, but he also was like, yeah, you know, all that work that they did, I like that, and I'm going to validate that too. Yeah, it's certain. It's certainly the most selfless thing he ever did. As, as- oh yeah, because he didn't even. I mean, he didn't even really validate 
Russell T. Davies during his run. Sure. He never really references anything that happened during that time. Like Captain Jack and Yeah. And Captain very, Jack was his. Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess at so, the beginning, doesn't he kind of make mention that like 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 Amy was like vaguely aware of like Daleks attacking London and whatnot? I don't remember. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. I don't know. I mean we'll see when we get to the Dalek episode, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Would you like some tea? <laughs> uh, we are your servants. Um, so, Who's yeah. So that brings us to Storm Warning. And uh, Storm Warning, uh, it's interesting because Alan Barnes, uh, when Nicholas Briggs and Big Finish came to Alan Barnes, they said, you can write whatever you want. You can The story can be about whatever you want. But... You need to introduce a new companion uh, named Charlie Pollard and that she is going to be an Edwardian adventurer. That's all that they told him. And then he wrote this. Why? I mean, I mean, what? I mean, that's amazing. But I'm curious as to why those were the only stipulations. Well, I imagine because they just wanted to to give him freedom to do whatever, um, you know, with the with the. With the character, because yeah. I mean, the world was their oyster. You sure, know, sure. there is no continuity that they need to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine they wanted an Edwardian adventurer because they probably thought it was funny because Paul McGann is like the Victorian doctor, and then no, that's true. Ed- Edwardian adventurer, and it's like an Edwardian and a Victorian, and yeah, it's just yeah. yeah. So I'm sure that that had something to do with it. That they just thought they were clever. Yeah, that old um, that old joke about uh, the Edwardian and the Victorian walking to a bar. <laughs> right, walk into a TARDIS. Walk into a TARDIS. Uh, yeah, uh, and then uh, yeah, and then the monthly range was four part stories, um, just like uh, classic Who. Uh, but then eventually, when the Eighth Doctor gets his own series, he transitions into forty five minute one part stories, um, much like uh, the Russell T Davies era. But I think it started before. The Russell T. Davies era. I think. Mm-hmm. Which one? The Lu- the Lucy Miller seasons. Oh. Did those start before or after the relaunch of the show? I'm not sure. Um I'll I'll have to look that up. But yeah. but um either either they were aping the show or they were ahead of the game, but but yeah, he transitioned into forty five minutes episodes later on. Um, but yeah, starting out, he's, uh, they play him sort of like a classic who, uh, doctor, which is interesting just from the perspective that he's only ever had the TV movie. Right. So yeah, just interesting. So he, he's run the gamut. He's gotten everything. <laughs> he's done 45 minute stories, four parters and a TV movie. And a weird little, uh, like, like five minute short film. Yeah. And a webisode. Yeah. Um, so is, it, is it is it made clear how long this takes place after the uh, the altercation with Eric Roberts and whatnot? No, but if you take Mary Shelley into consideration, I think it's something like I want to say he's been traveling for something like five ish years. Oh damn! I would say okay. Yeah, just because. I don't know. I mean, it could be less than that, but you know how 
Doctor Who writers are. They're like, he's immortal, so he's been doing this for thousands of years. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, all right. Mm-hmm. So, so I would say he's at least been doing it for five years because he seems to know what he's doing at this point. He's used to his body. Yeah, he seems pretty used to his body. He's finally out of his 20s and he's okay with himself. Right. <laughs> he's moving in. Yeah. I'm moving in. <laughs> uh, so Cass, uh, tell us about part one of Storm Warning. Um, okay, so the doctor um, is... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, that's fine. He loves Paul McGann. Um, uh, who doesn't? <laughs> I do too. <laughs> so the the doctor's kind of um, like puttering around his TARDIS, um, talking to himself, which is I know it's very interesting. Um, which is one thing that I'm not super into, but we'll talk about it later. Um, mm-hmm. Is the doctor kind of talking to himself and at least they him. hang a lantern on it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um it kind of makes me feel better about uh all the and, and this kind of goes for the whole episode uh and not 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 to pat ourselves on the back too much but it kind of makes me feel better about the episodes of geek by night that we've written yeah, yeah. Where it's like yeah. oh okay he's talking to himself the whole the whole freaking episode okay <laughs> um so he's kind of He's traveling through the time vortex and he sees this um this time ship, I guess, mm-hmm. kind of caught in a loop and he flips like, through Frankenstein for a little bit. Yeah, he mar- he uh mentions Mary Shelley, which I think is interesting because I totally forgot that later she was a companion. Uh, like later chronologically in the big finish line, not right later. In yeah, history. produce later. Yeah. yeah. Um so he's, you know, flipping through some books just kind of observing and uh, he kind of rescues or not really rescues, but like knocks this time ship. Yeah. He knocks this time ship out of its loop so they can die peacefully, I guess. Um, (laughs) And there's these things called um, vortisaurs. Now are these the things, are these the things that we're going to talk about? you know, years from now when we get to uh, Father's Day? Are Honestly, these the same things? I think they are, but I don't know if they're called the same thing. Okay. Um, but they're basically like these time vortex dinosaur, like vulture buzzards thing. Like they just kind of feed off of energy and blood, I guess. Um, and blood. Yeah. So he, he like, he does this, um, which disrupts, you know, some timey wimey, whatever, um, techno babble. So he, um, he, es- he escapes and kind of pushes a hole through the vortex and just does an emergency landing. Um, and he finds himself on an airship. Um, and we learn a little bit about this airship. It's the, um, the R101, um, which I wasn't aware was a thing until listening to this. Um, and it's on its uh, maiden voyage to India. Um, and we're in the 1930s, so this is still part of the British Empire. Um, so you have this guy, um, Lieutenant Colonel Frayling, who's the, he's kind of like the like the the main engineer um he designed the the airship um 
and he's kind of fretting about uh, these modifications and stuff that were um, done last minute to his design by uh, this Lord Tamworth, who I imagine has this giant mustache and like the like the sideburns and is just very like yes. Um, so he. This Lord Tamworth is the Minister of Air, um, I guess. Um, and he is the, like, commanding officer um, in charge of this uh, vessel. So he's mm-hmm. he's the one in charge of this whole um, flight to India. And so we have Frailing and Tamworth, and they're having this conversation. And Frailing's like, you know, like, we'll you know, I should check on the safety and we haven't, you know, tested it out and blah, blah, blah. And Tamworth's like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Have a brandy, you know, a very stiff upper lip British. Um, and so he kind of gets frailing off his back about it. Um, and then, uh, Tamworth, um, sends this South African guy named Rathbone, um, to check on whatever is in, uh, cabin 43. Um, That's what he is? He's South African? Yeah, he's South African. It sounds very French at the beginning, and then German, and then it's more South African. Um, Oh, that's so... I could not figure out where he was from. It was bothering me the whole time. Yeah, he has that speech where he talks about the lions and stuff. He's from South Africa. Um, Just try to think about uh, District 9. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. He does Uh, does not sound like that. (laughs) It's it's kind of a... A bat. I don't know if he's actually like South African, but that's what he's yeah. supposed to be. Um, okay. um, and so he goes off and, you know, we meet uh, the chief steward, um, who's kind of a funny character. And the chief steward's trying to, um, he he's like pounding on the door of this, this you know, cabin boy, um, basically. And we find out that this cabin boy is Charlie. Um, and her name is, you know, Charlotte Pollard and she's an Edwardian adventuress and she's going to write a book and she's not very good at it. And, um, she basically, (laughs) uh, stows away on this, um, for the hell of it because she can, um, which is awesome. I, I like the trope of, um, like women masquerading as men to like go out into the world and do stuff. So Charlie's, Charlie's right up my alley. Um, Elizabeth Swan. Yeah, uh, like Mulan's my favorite Disney movie. Um, mm-hmm. But so we meet Charlie, Boys and don't she's cry. yeah. <laughs> I love I love Charlie. Um, <laughs> so the chief steward kind of is just like, "Hey, we gotta you know do some stuff," and Charlie's like, "Oh, okay." Um, so meanwhile, the TARDIS that he finds his way onto the the airship, and he's kind of wandering around. He's in. I think one of he's in the either the main like where the airbags are or in one of the ballast tanks or something but he lands in water and he leaves the TARDIS and he goes to explore and basically because the TARDIS lands the ship like tilts to one side for a moment so um Frailing's like oh man we got to we got to fix the ballast um so we can you know um we gotta like dump all the extra weight so he dumps out the ballast tank which the tardis is in so the doctor is stranded without a tardis 
Um, and yeah, he's just like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll find my way out and figure out that later. Um, it's now going to be one of those kind of days. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> he's kind of like feeling out like where he's at and he doesn't really know, um, like where he is, what time period he is. Um, and I, I love Paul McGann's voice, but it, I don't know. He narrates, I think he narrates a little too much. Um, and Frailing, like, is super worried because there's a storm approaching. Hey, storm warning. Um, <laughs> and uh, Tamworth's like, whatever, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be, like, hitting our rendezvous soon. And Frailing's like, but this is, you know, we're just flying to India. Our next stop is, you know, days away. And he's just like, oh, no, trust me, this is a mission. It's important. And it's very vague. Um, and... Frailing's just like, question mark? I don't understand. Um, and there's like the screeching sound and it kind of sounds like a weird animal. And the the boat kind of tips and Charlie's, I guess she's wearing like a cap or something. She's like disguised her appearance. So she looks like a, mm -hmm. a dude. And she kind of gets knocked around a little because um, she's doing her steward duties and um, she's exposed as, uh, like a, a girl instead of a boy. Um, and she like get it. Tamworth tries to interrogate her, but she just kind of runs away. Um, and he, he, you know, there's more vague, like, oh, that we can't have anyone jeopardizing our mission and blah, 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 blah. Um, and Frailing sees this, thinks he sees something outside, but everyone's just like, you're crazy. Um, and the doctor is like wandering around, um, and he, he stops outside of room 43 and he kind of hears, he, he has, uh, a stethoscope on him, which I love. Um, I love that the doctor just has a stethoscope. Um, and I love the trope that the doctor has whatever he needs in his pockets. Yeah. And it's like one of what's Arthur Conan Doyle's stethoscope. So I love yeah. that he just, the eighth doctor just continues to name drop whenever he has the opportunity, even though he's talking <laughs> he, to himself. Oh, um, yeah. So he, he hears um, some kind of sketchy stuff. Like Rathbone is threatening somebody to like, you know, if you don't stop like be quiet i'll like inject you with this thing and he's just like whoa that's weird um and charlie kind of is running away so she runs into him and he helps her hide um from the steward and they kind of chat and he's just like oh i'm the doctor i you know played tiddlywinks with lennon and charlie's like oh that's weird um and she she kind of just decides to follow him, which I think is really funny. Um, and he, I, you, you gotta love the companions who aren't invited along. They are just like, I'm your companion now. Yeah, <laughs> like he's just like, you know, I'm the doctor, you know, who are you? And she's just like, Oh, I'm Charlie. Um, I'm an adventurous and you're oh. my new adventure. So let's go. Okay. Um, and so the doctor kind of looks right. looks out the window, and he's just trying to figure out where they are. Um, and you know he's talking about the TARDIS, and you know he 
dropped his time machine and basically Charlie's just like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have gone in with this guy. He's kind of crazy. <coughs> um, and mm. something scrapes outside the ship again. And um, he's trying to figure out that and where he is. And he's questioning Charlie about the day and um, their location. And he kind of confirms with himself that he's aboard VR-101, which, um, if he remembers correctly, is an airship that crashes over northern France um, within a few hours of now uh, because of the storm. And... Then we, we go back to Rathbone with this thing that's, like, breathing, like, very... It's really gross. Um, it's just, like, this wheezing, like, mm-hmm. gasping breath. It's not um, nice to listen to. No. <laughs> um, it's very... I don't know. The sound design's really cool. Um, and he, you know, he hears something scratch at the window, and he goes over to investigate and then there's just like this loud screech and a glass shatters and whatever's outside kind of grabs him and he starts screaming and that is the end of part one. Yeah. So, so Nick, what's your, what's your first feelings on, uh, India Fisher as Charlie? Oh, I love her. I love her. I love her a lot. Um, I, I think, I mean, the, the character is, you know, I mean, I mean, kind of, kind of like what Cass was saying earlier. It, it's almost kind of cheating in, ter- in terms yeah. of like, oh, this was this was made in a lab for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I I, I think uh, I think India Fisher really brings a lot of like personality and charm to this character, and I think you know, I uh, you know immediately making the your character and your character's relationship with the Doctor. And your relationship with this universe, you know, it's the more the further we I go into this universe, it's not an easy thing to do, you know, in in audio or visual. And so, yeah, I think Charlie immediately kind of like it's like, hey, I'm a character in the show now. You know what I mean? And just and like even the doctor is like, oh, you're my new companion. You know, like there's there's right. very there's very little it you know she, she takes to it like a duck in water. You know, as as, mm-hmm. as the saying goes. And yeah, I just. I love the experience of of listening to this story. Um, I was I was telling you guys off mic, but like I just I, I lay down on my couch and I poured like a little bit of Crown Royal in a, in a tumbler and just like closed my eyes, you know. And it was just really calming. And like Paul McGann's voice is not unlike mm. uh, Crown Royal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and like I think all the all the voice actors just do a, a really good job of just creating characters and. Um, and 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 this and we'll we'll keep going on this in part two and parts two and three. But I like how slow this story is. Um, it's very cerebral and it's it's very much about ideas and mm-hmm. and like themes and like points of view. And it, it it's kind of the most Star Trek I've a Doctor Who story has been for me. And it, it's like they really know how to play to their strengths of it being an audio drama. Uh, so that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh yeah, it it uses the medium very well. Yeah, and just like and like the storm cracking and like the you know, just it it, it you know, it, it's interesting that she name he name checks Mary Shelley, but it, it does kind of feel like you're being told like a spooky adventure story, especially mm-hmm. in this first part cuz you're like what's that awful alien sound coming from? 
who is this guy with this weird accent and like why is this like british guy being so secretive you know yeah yeah it also it is all the makings of a good adventure story totally um so part two uh part two is uh interesting i um I'll be totally honest, uh, be totally transparent. I was driving when this was happening, so I didn't get to take uh, I didn't get to take really solid notes until I got home. So this is mostly by memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the big bit, the big things that happen are basically that Rathbone and another guy find Charlie and the Doctor, and they're like. Hey, I don't think you guys are supposed to be here. So Charlie stays back with Rathbone while the other guy takes the doctor to meet uh, the mustache guy. What's his name? Oh, uh, Tamworth. Tamworth. So he goes to meet Tamworth. And uh, he's talking to Tamworth. And Tamworth is like, so are you some sort of spy or something? And uh, the doctor's like, what if I said I was? And he would be like, he he goes, I would be so pleased because I'm so proud of this ship. And I would be so upset if the Germans didn't feel the need to send a spy to spy on it. (laughs) Um, Which I just like, that is the most bizarre logic. And also not for nothing, but if you, if I were to put a spy onto a ship, the last thing I would do was just put them on it. Like, right. you'd make a backstory and you'd make sure they had a ticket and that they had a reason to be there. You wouldn't just put them there. <laughs> but whatever. Anyway, so <laughs> he's convinced that the doctor is a German spy and the doctor plays along because he seems so pleased about it. And he's like, you know, the best thing about you being a German spy is that, you know, you're seeing all of this. And uh, if you were a British citizen, like I thought you were, you know, this is top secret. I probably would have had to kill you. But since you're a German spy, I just have to turn you into authorities. Isn't that great? Everyone (laughs) is super friendly about a German spy being on this ship. They're like, have some champagne. Like later, they're like, have some champagne, you you." sauerkraut eaten yeah. jerk like, <laughs> it's just so than a decade ago yeah it's so weird um so so he's getting so the doctor's getting all chummy with 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 that guy and then rathbone is being super super creepy with charlie because he's like being super threatening so like the doctor's getting treated like royalty and he's supposedly he's playing a German spy. Charlie is being accused of being a spy by Rathbone and Rathbone is just like saying all sorts of horrible things that are going to happen to her. And then he suggests that maybe if she has some sort of payment, wink, wink, uh, then maybe he could protect her. Um, And, I'm just like at that point I'm just like okay you have an annoying accent you keep calling her you keep calling her doll which makes me want to like punch something um because he just says it a lot every time he talks to her every time he says anything to Charlie he calls her doll 
Um, and it's really revolting and tiring. And so, like, at this point, I'm just like, okay, Rathbone, you are a character. I'm waiting to die. Um, <laughs> I just want you to die so bad and so horribly. So, uh, basically, everyone's reunited. And the doc, when the doctor says, you know, I heard some weird stuff happening with your secret crew, your secret uh, guest in, uh, in the secret cabin – uh, maybe, you know, I, it sounds like maybe they might be sick. I could check that out. You know, I mentioned this to the Rathbone guy and he would have none of it, but you seem like a reasonable guy. I'm a doctor. You should let me go check this thing out. So he goes with him and they all go and they all check out this thing. And he's like, he's talking about, uh, he's asking how, how's the, the, how, how, how is the, um, God, what's the mustache guy's name again? Uh, Tamworth. Tamworth, it is just not sticking in my brain. <laughs> so, so he asked Tamworth. He's like, "So how how are you feeling this high up in the air in this airship?" And he's like, oh, "A little lightheaded." And the doctor's like, "Yeah, you know why you feel lightheaded? Because there's less oxygen up here." And he's like, "Good, you must be a scientist." <laughs> um, and uh, and and he's like, he's like, "So you guys are feeling lightheaded? There's less oxygen up here, but..." You're feeding oxygen to this thing. It's in an oxygen mask. And it's sick. It's acting like it has some sort of sickness. I think that its body is adapting to the new atmosphere and you are giving it oxygen sickness by overloading it with oxygen. And they're just like, what kind of sense does that make? And he's like, not human sense, but look at this thing. And everyone's <laughs> like, I guess that's true. Okay, fair enough. So he undoes the mask on the on the creature and uh and the creature wakes up and is like starting to like feel better and starts talking Charlie. and stuff. Yeah, starts talking to Charlie. Um and We're on an airplane, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it does sound like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was all I could think about. Oh wow. Oh my god. That's amazing. Um so so basically uh they, it introduces itself and uh they realize that they're going to go meet its friends and then uh thing shows up in the sky above them and Charlie's like, "What's that?" And the doctor's like, "You might call it." Looks at the camera, a UFO, and then throws up his sunglasses. <laughs> and you <laughs> and then the opening credits is CSI Miami hit. <laughs> and that's how part two ends. That is how part two ends. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so far so good. I think I think Rathbone lives up to his name as a, as a very effective villain. Um, he sounds – with a name like Rathbone, he sounds like a Disney villain. Yeah, like, like yeah. Radigan. Yeah, like Radigan. Yeah, totally. Oh, man. What a shame Vincent Price was never in a Doctor Who episode. Oh, it was like the master. Oh, oh, shut up. No joke. No joke. No, I, don't, I can't do it. Um, um, but I, uh, yeah, I, I really, I really like this. And then as it goes along, I feel like this would have been a really good, like our episode, but I do think that once we start getting into like the politics of these aliens and the next two parts, it stretches a little thin for me. Um, but it's all really interesting. It's just that 
it takes a re- it's so ethereal that it takes so long for them to explain what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's just so much exposition. Um, but anyway, uh, tell us about part three. Sure. Nick. Speaking of exposition, uh, uh-huh. so, so, <laughs> flying, so a flying saucer appears. It appears to be over two miles wide and capable of flying through space. Um, that weird alien that took a shine to Charlie because Charlie's kind. And uh, he, she, you know, the alien reminded Charlie of a dolphin. Um, <laughs> um, so she's the aliens like, like I'm better now. And, uh, the alien tells everyone that it is the engineer prime of a group of aliens called, uh, the Treskeli, the Treskeli. How would, how would you, how, yeah. how would you say it? Yeah. It's, it's try, it's try Skeely. Cause there's three of them. So try, try Skeely. Okay. Yeah. Try Skeely. Uh, yes. And so uh, Rathbone's like, I'm not a fan of any of this. Why is this German spy here? And the doctor's like, why don't you just admit that you're an agent for British intelligence? And Rathbone's like, okay, I will. Uh, <laughs> and I'm here to ensure the safety of this weird alien dolphin thing. And um, so I guess I did my job. You're welcome. Uh, the engineer prime says that uh, that airship may proceed and that, um, the whole the hull of the Triskeely ship it didn't really matter, you know, and they can let the RO one through. Uh Charlie's like, well, this is great. Um uh and oh no, and then there's this really cool part where um they're getting ready to, to go onto the, the flying saucer and uh Charlie's like, Man, this is crazy. Like there were other worlds and oh my god's like there were literally so many worlds. There's like there's like seriously too many worlds. And um, <laughs> like worlds will just stop. Worlds just get eaten and no one will care because there's so many worlds. And Charlie's like, man, you know who, you know, I used to think that um, the furthest away from home I would ever get was the Singapore Hilton on New Year's Eve. And uh, the doctor's like, that's specific. And she's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's and she, and she reveals. That's a, you know what? This this story is a lot of a lot of the writer not knowing how to write for audio. So taking the laziest choice and then calling himself out for it. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> that happens. A, that happens a lot where he's like, I know this is bad. So I'm just going to have the other characters say that it's bad. And then no one will say that it's yeah, there's bad. A lot of lan- there's a lot of lanterns hanging. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, so yeah. So Charlie says, okay, one time I met this guy and he was really, he was like a traitor uh, with a D and now with an I T O R. And, uh, and they were like, he was really cute and funny. And so, um, she, and he was like, oh, you haven't lived until you've had like a brandy on the terrace of the Singapore Hilton on New Year's Eve right as the sun is setting. And she's like, OK, she's like, that's weirdly that's specific. Weirdly specific. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and, and she's like, tell you what, um, New Year's Eve, I'm going to meet you there and it's a date. And it doesn't even sound like he was that into it. But she's like, no, it's a date. New Year's Eve. We're going to be at the Singapore Hilton. And uh, which I'm into. It's, it's very, it's very, it's very Sadie Hawkins of her. Um, and so, so the doctor's like, oh, so that's why you wanted to go to India. And she's like, yeah, but <laughs> screw that. This is really cool. This is even better. And uh, yeah. And so the R01 enters uh, the saucer's interior and uh, Tamworth, Mr. Mustache guy, it prepares to march out the guard of honor. Um, but then the engineer prime is like, hey. Um, I don't know if you've could gather this by the name of our species, but we're all about threes here. And <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're actually only going to allow three people 
and um, Tam Tamworth is like, and the doctors like, just go with it. It's fine. And uh, and then Junior Prime's like, and I've not only that, but I've actually already chosen the three. It's going to be you, Frailing, and the Doctor. And uh, Tamworth is like, but we have all these British diplomats, and like the Doctor's like, don't just shut up. <laughs> and uh, and Farnsworth, Farnsworth, uh, Tamsworth is like, okay, fine, let's go. So Charlie's gonna have to stay on the ship. And so the Doctor's like, well, Brathbone's clearly a bad guy, but. Okay, just 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 don't don't pull any shenanigans, and um, so yeah, and then Tamworth is like, actually, I'm not so chill with Rathbone either. But what are we gonna do? I mean, he's gonna he hasn't done anything yet, so he'll just go with it. Uh, and so literally, as soon as they walk away, as soon as they're gone out of ear distance, Rathbone's like, okay, unpack the crates from the sealed compartment, start doing shenanigans, all the shenanigans. it's like oh man and the crates contain like guns and weapons and ammunition and like so it's clear that you know they're they're really they're really gonna like um go uh you know Radcliffe and Pocahontas about it uh so anyway back in the uh so with so now that they're back on the spaceship engineer prime uh is like able to move and uh we find out that it can actually levitate and it can walk without uh touching the ground which is cool uh, so Tamworth tells everyone that Engineer Prime crashed Earth about a winter ago, and at first British intelligence thought that the alien was bred by, like, the, the Germans. You know, you know what I mean? But then they were like, well, now we're pretty sure that it's not that. And uh, <laughs> the breakthrough actually came when <laughs> Rathbone uh, contacted... Okay, so there was this... And I Okay, I, I thought this was, like, a really fun little twist on stuff. So uh, Rathbone contacted this, like... Um, this psychic, right? The spiritualist called Madame Zelda. And it turns out that she was really psychic and was actually able to communicate with the Triskeli. Um, and so the engineers like the engineer prime was like, yeah, you know, she's actually one of the few humans that had the ability. And I love that because, you know, so many people are, you know, dismissive of people like psychics and telepath. I mean, not telepaths, but you know, like spiritualists and, people that play with crystals and stuff, you know, they're usually the, the joke in science fiction stories. And so I liked that this Madame Zelda was actually the only person that could communicate with this alien. I just thought that was like funny. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, so, okay. So, <laughs> so engineer prime hadn't communicated with earthlings before Madame Zelda because, she was worried. Can I call it she? Was it a she, Engineer Prime? I got kind of a she vibe. It doesn't matter. So she was worried <laughs> that that Earthlings were pop, that Earth was populated by something called uncreators. But when she met Madame Zelda, she changed her mind and thought that okay, well, Earth is clearly made up of creators. So the British arranged to return Engineer Prime to its flying saucer which is why they're on board the R101, but it didn't want to risk, uh, you know, letting the public know about a flying saucer. So they decided to outfit the R01 to do it. So this explains those weird modifications that everyone was worried about. And it turns out that, um, you know, they weren't, you know, Tamworth isn't as nefarious as we originally thought in part one and two, but the doctor isn't in- in entirely trusting yet. So they finally arrive at the Triskelion. <laughs> You said that. You said that in the most Jeff Goldblumy way you could have possibly <laughs> said that. 
<laughs> yeah. He isn't uh, uh, trusting yet. <laughs> oh, man. It's pretty great. It's, it's all the flying saucer stuff. Um, yeah. So they're, so they're on board the Triskelion, which makes me think of a, a Winter Soldier. And um, so then they're like, oh, and then there's like this, there's like this symbol. There's like this thing on the wall. And the doctor's like, oh, I've seen this on other worlds before. Like, it was on this fake word and this fake word and even in this fake word. <laughs> and and so the doctor's like, oh, you guys must be really, really old. If, if, if you've, you know, been around, if you have all these symbols throughout time. And uh, the engineer is like, yeah, and we were actually once, like, super people were really afraid of us. But, um, yeah, and so, the, so they're, they're moving in, like, really, really fast. Or they thought it was, but the ship is actually remaking itself around the Triskelion. Um, and the doctor can't believe it because they don't need stairs. Um, so, yeah, they're actually moving the ship around the Triskelion, which is like. Around, yeah, around the people. Around the people. Yeah, yeah the ship is the, the architecture is centered on the people rather. It, it, it blows everyone's minds. Uh, and so the. <laughs> And the one guy is just like, but that's so stupid. Why would you do that? <laughs> because you're using your stupid earth logic. <laughs> the Dodger's like, just because no stairs. That's amazing. You You've what? seen Ghostbusters, right? Why, Terrible. Why do you want stairs? <laughs> yeah. And so the Triskelion, uh, so, okay. So Frailing has been chosen to represent the rational thinking side Hold on, wait, wait. So I just want to say, I want to go back to the room, the ship moving around, the people. What I love about that is that it only works because it's audio, because you don't have to show what that looks like. It it sounds like it would be the most, like, like Christopher Nolan, like, like, crazy stuff you'd ever see. Yeah, I imagine it would be like something something between like Inception and like the moving staircases in Hogwarts. Yeah, or maybe kind of like maybe like a liquid metal type deal, like the Abyss almost. Yeah. I just I just love that there's no visual interpretation of it. It's just them talking about it. Yeah, and there's like there, there's references to like how the Triskaly are kind of like operating in five dimensions as opposed to our three dimensions. Uh-huh. Um, and that's really it's just it's just it's just really cool, just big ideas that they don't even care to answer, and they're just like throwing them out there like it's nothing. Um, yeah, it's kind of like an, an, an interstellar with like oh for some reason the waves here are super big and you just go with it. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> right. uh, I need to watch that again. Uh, so so uh, Frailing is like hey you're you're you represent the rational thinking side, but then the Triskelion takes them to um, so they were. They're creators, like the prime engineer, but now they're uh, uncreators that represent the kind of uh, violent, destructive, twisted side of the Triskaly. And they've actually, they're a race that has literally divided their left brain people and right brain people, their yin and their yang, their red suit Spider-Man and black suit Spider-Man into like <laughs> basically two different species, kind of, right? And not only that, but they've actually imprisoned the uncreators and they're like in chains and they're like on the walls or something. And they, they sound really scary. Um, and like their whole thing is undoing things, killing, destroying, whereas the creators are all about creating and, and, and giving birth and, you know, hanging out. <laughs> um, 
So, <laughs> and so they meet a guy named Uncreator Prime, and the Uncreator Prime um, uh, is is meant to stand behind Tamworth, just as Frailing was sort of meant to represent Engineer Prime. For Frailing is a builder, a designer, and Tamworth um, is uh, a, a warrior. But um, there's a scene where um, Engineer, where, where Warrior Prime or Uncreator Prime is uh, like, oh, so you fought on the wall, right? How was that? And he's like, it wasn't cool, man. <laughs> I lost a lot of friends, and like, I saw the the greatest of my generation, like, you know, laid bare, and I saw young men with like aren't limbs missing, crying out for their moms, and their lives were just destroyed all because of war. And he's like, yeah, but it was cool, right? Like when you blew up, when you blew up people, like when you were, and he's like, no, no, it was really bad, and like. I serve my country and I'm, I'm proud of that, but I don't, I don't like war. And he's like, you suck. You're a, you're a, you're, you suck. You're a, you're a social justice warrior. I don't like you. And, <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, you cheated. You brought me, a, you brought me a weak little Jew. He sucks. And, uh, and so he's like, you, the, uh, so the, uh, engineer is like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it forces its way into the engineer's thoughts. And then it senses a force of pure naked primal hatred and its name is Wrathbone and um <laughs> he's like bring me oh that Wrathbone guy sounds awesome bring me Wrathbone I love Wrathbone and um so the doctor's like hey if he's the uncreator and Frailing was the creator I guess I'm supposed to be like the weird third thing and uh, the engineer's like right again uh so there's there's supposed to be one creature Kind of like the monkey in the middle, so to speak, uh, called the lawgiver. And if the engineers are creative, the rational side, and the uncreators are the destructive emotional side, then the lawgiver is the 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 part of the triforce that's supposed to represent free will. Free will. Uh, he mediates between the heart and the head, and just you know makes sure that something gets done. Um, and so they're like, and you will be that doctor, and uh, you know. The doctor's like, <laughs> no, I can't do that. I'm not from Earth. And they're like, oh, because like the lawgiver that they have right now is like super old and is about to die. Right. And mm-hmm. so but they're like, if the young creators are let loose, they're going to like be super mad that we like chain them up for millennia. So they're probably going to try and kill us. But we can't select a new lawgiver from our side or their side because then it wouldn't be fair. We have to find like a neutral outsider. Um. So they came to Earth because Earth is like really weird because it's made up of both creators and uncreators. Sometimes even the same person can be a creator and an uncreator, uh, you know, because, you know, people are complex and can store different perspectives and points of view in one body. Um, and uh, sometimes aliens are like, what? Uh, and so we're always the specialist of snowflakes in the universe. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't see any other snowflakes out there. So far, uh, so far, so far, um, God, it blows my mind sometimes when it's like literally this one planet could have life except like, you know, the gravity would be too heavy. And it's like, what? Why is Earth? Jeez. It's just, I don't know. It's crazy, man. We're super lucky. It's pretty crazy. Super lucky to be on Earth. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so the uncreator is like, hey, there's a more suitable uncreator okay then then him and, I, and it's wrathbone and the doctor's like well i can't be the 
the the mediator because I'm not from Earth. I'm a Time Lord. And Rathbun, and not Rathbun, but uh, Tamworth's like, what's a Time Lord? And he's like, I just, I'm not just, whatever, I'll tell you later. Um, <laughs> and so uh, Tamworth is like, oh, no, we have to go back to the R01. Speaking of Rathbone. And then um, Rathbone is like, hey, they've been gone a long time. They're probably dead. Let's let's carry out our our evil ways. And so he uh, orders the people to like come out and oh, and then he's like, oh, and shoot Charlie if anything happens. And so any of it and like they're like, oh, and if you turn against me, it's an act of treason. And so uh, they lead the crew with all their guns out into the saucer to take it by force <laughs> because they're like, oh, we're going to kill you guys and take the ship and take it back to England. And then everyone will know that England is like the best ever Brexit. Let's do this. And uh, <laughs> so uh, everyone knows that this is a bad idea. Like even, even, uh, even Tamworth is like, this seems stupid. And um, meanwhile, Uncreator prime is just like shaking in his chain. He's like, Oh my God, Rathbone, you're so evil. And you're so full of hate. This is amazing. I love you so much, Rathbone. And the doctor's like, Rathbone, you suck. Why are you trying to do this? And, uh, and, yeah, and then Tamworth's like, yeah, this is wrong, and the British Empire is better than this, and this is piracy, and Rathbone, you suck. We hate you, Rathbone. And then Charlie's like, guys, guys, Rathbone. And they're like, we know. And then <laughs> and then Rathbone's like, hey, gun. And he, like, fires three shots. And Charlie's like, but I'm alive. And he's like, yeah, because I didn't hit you. And, he's, and he says, like, oh, I never miss because I'm Rathbone. I never miss. I'm Rathbone. And uh, the uncreator's like, oh, my God. Um, and Rathbone's like, give me the ship right now. I don't care about any of you. I just care about taking the ship back. And then he, like, shoots the lawgiver in the head. <laughs> he just murders the lawgiver. And uh, then all hell breaks loose. Uh, because the lawgiver's dead, the uncreators are now free. And uh, they're, like, running all over the place. And Engineer Prime is, like, literally soiling himself because he's so afraid. Um, and then, uh, the uncreator prime declares war on all of the human race and Rathbone's like, I'm starting to regret this. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And then the doctor realizes that when, what the, that the uncreator's plan all along was to, uh, you know, revolt against the creators and, uh, kill everyone. And that's where part three ends. Mm. It's a lot. It's, it's a, it's a lot to unpack. Yeah, and it's literally all in this act. Yeah, it's crazy how much they pack into part three. Yeah, like really kind of big, heady ideas. Because we literally go from knowing nothing about these creatures to knowing everything, and one of them getting shot in the head <laughs> by the end <laughs> of one episode. Like, yeah, like we don't even have time to really get used to the way of things before the way of things is like up upended. Yeah. It's interesting. It's really crazy. Yeah. A lot of, lot of ideas, a lot of stuff going on. Um, I, the whole creator, uncreator name, like the names for things is weird. Like I don't like the lawgiver. Like why is the lawgiver? Why is that the lawgiver's well, job? And what or? was the lawgiver? So 
was the lawgiver the one that is shot? Was he a triskelly? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because this is the first time they're going to try humans out. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then, like, the uncreators don't have a special name. They're just called uncreators. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of... And, like... But the creators get to be called engineers. Yeah, it's weird. It doesn't... Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> Sounds like he ran out of name names for stuff. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it kind of reminded me of, it kind of reminded me of, uh, the villain in, in, uh, in Star Trek Beyond. Mm. Just this kind of idea that like human, that, that some, the, the concept that no, we are either supposed to be, you know, peaceful or completely peaceful or completely warlike. And, and there can be no compromise. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's. Yeah, that's very true. I I uh I yeah, I like the concepts a lot. I just wish it had been done a little more not as heavy-handed. Yes, not as heavy-handed. Yeah. 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 So Cass, tell <laughs> us about part 4. All right. Um so the uncreators are just like, "Oh, we're going to mess everything up." And Rathbone uh, he kind of collapses uh, because the Triskeli are uh, telepathic and the uncreator Prime has basically been using him as his violent puppet this whole time. Um, so I guess his mind just kind of like reaches an overload, po- overload point and he's just like, bleh. Um, <laughs> so the the guys with the guns, they're just like, uh... I guess we'll shoot at the things that are coming for us, um, but they forget that they're standing next to a airship that is filled with flammable hydrogen gas. Um, so the doctor's like, "What are you doing?" And they are trying to like get them to stop, um, but the young creators just keep coming, um, and so Tamworth. Meanwhile, is just kind of, like, upset, and he just kind of, like, yells at one, and the uncreator kind of, like, runs away, and the doctor's like, oh, it's brilliant, we'll just yell at them. Um, so they, they just start, instead of shooting them, like, I guess, quote, normal people, <laughs> they just start roaring at these aliens, um, <laughs> Like, it's like they found a bear in the woods and they're, like, climbing on top of each other and roaring at it to make it go away. <laughs> it's a, it, it, is a, it is a major Russell T. Davies kind of ending. Yeah, because it's, it's just so, like, the, like the triumph of the common man and, like, everyone. Yeah. And, and doing something silly. Like, yeah. Yeah. You like, know? It, it's, it's very, very silly. Um, And the doctor's just kind of running around and encouraging people and he kind of like bullies Frailing into it. And Frailing's been this very like downtrodden, like very proper British dude. And he finally just loses his cool and starts roaring at these aliens. And he's like, Charlie, think of that awful traitor guy that laughed at you for wanting to go to Singapore Hilton. And she's just like, ah! <laughs> so she like loses her mind. And, <laughs> and the doctor's like, you engineer prime roar. And he's just like, Oh 
no, it's stupid. Silly. And the doctor's like, fine, forget you. Um, (laughs) So, like, the young creators, they kind of run away, and young creator Prime's just like, well, that sucks, but I have a laser weapon. And, (laughs) like, it's, I guess it's like this... It's like the symbol, like the tri, like the Triskelion, the Triforce thing on his armor, I guess. Um, but it comes out and it turns into a, a laser weapon. Um, so he's like, I'm going to kill that guy. I'm going to kill the doctor. And Tamworth's like, nah, I'm going to be the lawgiver. Fight me. And <laughs> Tamworth, like everyone's like, wait, what? Why are you going to fight this crazy alien? And Tamworth's like, nah, fisticuffs, let's go. Um, <laughs> and I think he even calls, he's just like, where I come from, boxing is like the noble sport. And the young creator's like, whatever, man, I'm going to mess you up. Um, so the doctor's like, oh, man, okay, you guys need to run. Um, so he tells Charlie to take everyone back um, to the airship. And he's just like, I I. I'm I'm feel responsible for this mess, so I'm just gonna you know make sure it doesn't get too out of hand. Um, and Charlie's like, but Tamworth is totally beating the uncreator, and like the doctor turns around, and <laughs> I I can only assume that Tamworth is like wrestling him, like the most like WWE nonsense ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's like, this is a chokehold, and he's just it's, like, it's one of the most. I I love this so much <laughs> because there was just so much talking and exposition, and then it's literally a World War One war hero just punching the crap out of an alien. <laughs> and like, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, they can't. Like no 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 one's allowed to just not no story is allowed to be this fun. Like he's gonna die or get shot or something. But no, he just pummels this alien into submission and then it's over. (laughs) It's so satisfying. (laughs) And the alien just never has a minute to like regroup or get its breath. It's just always being punched. (laughs) Perpetual punching. Yeah. So Yeah. It's like the British equivalent of Theodore Roosevelt, honestly. Yeah. Uh He's just wrestling this alien. Yeah, just like Um, Winston Churchill, just like kicking (laughs) kicking an alien in the stomach in a corner. (laughs) Oh man. Oh my god. So the uncreator is just so not impressed with this guy that he like takes over Rathbone's mind again. And he's just like, shoot this guy before he punches me to death. And Rathbone's just like, uh, he has like an internal struggle or whatever. And he like resists. And instead of shooting Tamworth, he <laughs> but shoots. Instead, but, but because it's audio, it's not internal. It's very external. Yeah, and he's he just says like, it all oh, no. <laughs> get it out of my head, blah, blah, blah. And like, <laughs> so he, he, instead of shooting Tamworth, he shoots uh, a creator prime instead. And everyone like the i don't miss gag comes up because charlie's like oh he missed and he's just like i told you i don't miss and i'm just like oh cool uh whatever you're still evil um so 
Tamworth, I guess, is now in charge of all of these aliens. Um, and he, you know, he has this giant flying saucer. He's got these brilliant aliens that can, you know, make the floor move around them. And he's got these, like, you know, this this army of aliens that is scared of people yelling out about at it. them. Yeah. And he's just like, well, I could go back to England and, you know, whatever, but I guess I'll help them. Yeah, I'm not going to be alive. He's like, he's like, I'm going to die pretty soon. So like, why not? I'll help with you guys. Yeah. So he's like, I'm not the lawgiver, but I'll help you. And they're just like, oh, all right. Yeah. Even like, I think his first act is he like, he, he, he abolishes the practice of lawgiving. Yeah. He's like, this isn't a, this isn't a thing anymore, but I'll, I'll just be your advisor. He becomes their Jake Sully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so he stays behind with his new alien friends and uh, the doctor, um, you know, everyone kind of like runs back to the uh, the airship. And um, Tamworth's like, doctor, before you leave, make sure the R101 gets down safely. And the doctor's like, oh, dramatic irony. Um, and <laughs> he, he's like, yeah, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll help. Um, and he and Charlie come back and. You know, the doctor is just like, hey, so you can stay here with these aliens. And she's just like, no, nah, it's fine. You're cool. And there's parachutes. These so aliens we'll, we'll, suck, we'll dude. Survive. I'm not going with them. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, I saw pa- parachutes. We're not going to die. Um, and so he goes back on the uh, the airship and the flying saucer takes off. And Tamworth is king of the aliens. Um, so we have... Um, and I don't think we talked about this before, but there's a scene in part two where the, like the, there's a vortisaur that follows the doctor out of the time vortex into the, the world and it's attacking the ship. Um, oh, so, right. so the doctor kind of in part two, he, he like lures it into submission by feeding it his weird time Lord blood. And the steward sees this, and he's just like, oh, it's like a big puppy. So they, like, knock it out. And the steward, after, like, you know, all this nonsense with aliens, he's just like, hey, I, fa- I got some food for you, buddy. And and the, the, the vortisaur is like, oh, sweet. So it just starts eating food. And then it eats the steward. And it's really awful, um, which I think is funny. Right before he references um, having a young son. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I have a son, and, you know, he'd love a pet weird dinosaur, and the dinosaur's like, oh, is that so? I'm gonna eat you now. Um, so, the doctor and Charlie are just like, hey, we gotta get everyone off the ship, because we know what's gonna happen. Um, but everyone's, like, celebrating, and they're just like, yeah, aliens, we survived, yeah, everyone's drinking. Um, and I guess they they managed to um, take the, 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 the laser weapon from Uncreator Prime before uh, Rathbone shot it. Um, so they're just like, yeah, you know, we got this crazy lasers. We're going to be awesome. Um, and the doctor's really, really, really pissed off. Um, so he, you know, goes on this rant and they're just like, whatever. Um, and... 
like the the doctor is just like you got to give it to me you can't keep you can't go back to england with this technology and they're just like shrug um so the doctor is just like okay fine and so he punches rathbone in the face um and he he hems and haws over it at first though because he's like i really don't like doing this but you're not gonna listen otherwise yeah so he's just like all right i guess i'll punch you um so he punches <laughs> him in the face and tries to grab the energy weapon but they they um i guess they are like brawling in the the ship and then the the vortizor is just like free now because it just ate a person it's just like ah my strength so it's there's like this (laughs) this this time vortex dinosaur in this airship while everyone's wrestling with an energy weapon as if this story could not get any crazier um so they they go to like where the doctor first landed the TARDIS, like where all the the mechanisms and everything um, are are kept, um, and the doctor is just like, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, but this airship, if we don't get everyone off board, is going to fall. You know, it's it's going to crash land. It's going to explode, and everyone's going to die. Um. And the uh, the doctor is kind of warning Rathbone because he's just like, if you don't destroy this weapon, if you don't toss this weapon off board, which I don't know what's going to, like, if it lands in some French peasant's house, like, that's not any better. Um, but the doctor's like, if you don't throw this thing off board, I'm going to use it. I'm going to blow up the, the ship because that's what's going to happen anyway. Um, and Rathbone's like, no. Nah, so they fight. And he has like an axe and he like cuts up some of the ship and the doctor's like, oh, now you've done it. Now it's going to fall. Now, you know, I just told you what's going to happen. And now it's like a self-fulfilling prophesying thing. Um, and there's like that scene, you know, that scene in Beauty and the Beast where the Beast and Gaston are like wrestling on the roof and like. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, he's hanging off by the gargoyle. That's basically what's happening, but in an airship, and then Rathbone falls to his death, and it's horrible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nobody falls to his death like Rathbone. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, he finally dies, but the ship is plummeting to its doom, so the doctor's like... I hope it lands on him. (laughs) Yeah, Tomorrowland style. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so the doctor's like i don't know what's you know they're they're all gonna die but the um i guess the the vortizor escapes and he's flying around and he's just like oh the doctor you tasted you know you smelled good earlier and so the doctor he mentions in passing that he used to ride these when he was in time lord academy Bear so he just cast. yeah <laughs> <laughs> he just jumps on it and he rescues Charlie and they kind of like soar into the sunset and they kind of just view it's like it's like they are the only people that got off the uh on a on a um on a lifeboat and they're like watching the Titanic sink or something um but he the the ship crashes as it does um as the doctor knew it was going to happen all along. And, you know, they're just the philosophize about like, 
you know, whatever. Um, and then the Vortazor is kind of like freaking out a little because he's scared of Charlie and Charlie's like, wait, you're cute. Come back. And <laughs> the, the, doctor, the doctor is just like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have rescued this girl because now only so many bodies will be here. And now I've changed history and oh, God. The man pain and Charlie's just like, oh, what's going on? Because she comes back and she's just like, look, I made a friend. And she like scratches its belly or something. So is this the same dinosaur that murdered that man earlier? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Keep going. (laughs) She's petting petting the belly where the man is right now. (laughs) (laughs) Who's a good dinosaur? Um, So Charlie, like the doctor's just like. Basically, he comes to the conclusion that he needs to bring Charlie back to the exact moment where he stole her from so that history can complete itself. And she comes back and he's like, hey, I need to tell you something. And she's just like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a companion now. I accept. Um, And he's just like, that's not what I was going to say, but okay." And they basically like she names the dinosaur and then they fly it into the sunset and he goes to find his TARDIS. And that's yeah. it. They name it Ramsey. Ramsey. Yes. Um I also just like he, he she's like he's like, okay, this is gonna be this is a real problem. This is gonna be <laughs> this is huge. This could change everything. I have to take her back and fix the timeline. This is gonna be a disaster otherwise. And she's like, I'm your companion now. And he's like, or avoidance is good. Let's yeah. do denial. <laughs> Yeah, you kind of uh, roll with it. Yeah, because well, it's kind of like because there's a moment where Ramsey's like afraid of of uh, of Charlie, and he's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. because Ramsey can sense the time and the butterflies." And Charlie's not afraid. He's like, "He likes me now." <laughs> he's like, "Oh, then we're good." But Ramsey likes you. <laughs> what can we do? The dinosaur. The dinosaur likes Charlie. I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Charlie, have you ever heard of denial? <laughs> <laughs> Because we're going uh, there right now. <laughs> is that the longest it's, river in Africa, Doctor? Sure is. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> is that the is that the longest river in Africa? You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Onward and upward, Ramsey. You, you murdered a father in cold blood. <laughs> Aren't we a trio? So your first big finish audio. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, even, even when it kind of lost momentum, I thought the ideas were interesting enough and like the characters were really likable, like the, you know, the British general and, you know, Charlie was great. And, you know, McGann just is like, you know, we've said this before, but he really is in a lot of ways, like the ultimate doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where he handles like the swashbuckling stuff well and the heady stuff well. You know, he can be romantic and he can also be, you know, really intense and dramatic when he needs to be. And he's kind of the complete opposite of the sixth doctor. Hmm. Yeah. Just kind of like because he's like charming and yeah, and like and like brave and kind, and like the sixth doctor is very like bratty and rude and kind of upsetting to be around, you know. It's interesting that you say that because 
in some weird timey-wimey thing that I actually don't know how it ends up, but Charlie ends up being the Sixth Doctor's companion for a while. Oh, like in, in, in Audio Adventures? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this is this Wally still a jerk, or was this, is this when he learns not to be a jerk? This is way after being not being a jerk anymore, oh, cool. I think. Yeah. Um. But anyway, that's like way down the line. It's on yeah, the list, yeah. but it'll be a long <laughs> time before we get to it. Um, because we have to go through like all of his evil and adventures first. Yeah, um, we're gonna be doing this for a long time. Yeah, like <laughs> like Sisyphus rolling the rock. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So next time we talk about uh, Paul McGann, we'll be talking about Sword of Orion. Wait. Um, oh, oh, okay. I yeah. Think it's, I, I think it's Sword of Orion. Yes, the Sword of yeah, Orion. Yeah, we're sort of going to be talking about Orion. That's what oh. I'm Oh, 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 no. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, Sword of Orion. Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's a Nicholas Briggs special. That's uh, uh, Nicholas Briggs wrote it, directed it, and did all the produ- post-production on it. Nice. He's a regular Scott Corelli. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll be talking about that next time. But next week, uh, next week we'll be talking about uh, the end of the world, which is the second ninth Doctor story. Yeah.